Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Love Talk Radio. Again, the phone number six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Our chat room is open. Feel free to join the chat room. Uh, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night. So, in the event you missed any parts of the show, make sure that you check us out uh, right here at BlogTalkRadio.com backslash Dead End Sports. You can catch us actually everywhere on all social media outlets. We're on Twitter at Dead End Sports. We're on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Dead End Sports. Uh, we have a website, of course, deadendsports.com. And you can also check out our YouTube channel, which features videos starring us. <laughs> Just go to youtube.com backslash Dead End Sports. Watch, subscribe, share. Again, I am your host, 12 Kyle. And welcome to another edition of Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. Man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm going to be honest, two hours is definitely not enough this week, uh, but we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done in only Dead End Sports fashion as we do each and every Tuesday night. Uh, of course, I will not be doing the show alone. Let me bring in my cohort. Uh, first, the beat maker of the crew, my man, Beezy. Beezy. What up, though? What up, though? What's good, Kyle? Chilling, man. What's up with you? Chilling, man. Just um, gaming and uh, um, getting some stuff together for Rock. Um, me and her working on a little project together, so um, just getting. I was okay. putting some stuff together with her. I was working on some stuff earlier for her because she's supposed to be coming through tomorrow. So yeah, about okay, it. and I'm playing. I'm, I'm gaming. Got the hot so. beat. Got the hot beat. Yeah, hot beat. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. And next up, the Batman, the captain of the crew, my man Ken. Ken, what up? 
Hey, what's up, what's up, fellas? Chillin', what's up with you? Oh, nothing, man. Uh, slightly under, under the weather a little bit. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it do what I do. Just walking around here, man, just finished dinner and, and picking up CDs. And my kids been in all my CDs. My CDs scattered all over the floor. So I have to pick those <laughs> up before they get scratched. Uh, I tell you, infants. You know what's the worst, man, is when you don't, like, and I don't know if you guys, you guys probably have. I haven't as much. Um, the CDs that you had, you just didn't convert them to, like, MP3, so you still got a couple CDs, maybe it's, like, mixtapes and stuff. And when them joints get scratched, man, oh, it's the worst, because you really want to hear the song, but you got a scratch CD. Oh, I have a couple like that. Like, I I found one that had a small crack in the in the center um, that won't play. And I have, like, like almost 10 to 12 CD book cases in there that hold, okay. like, almost 300 apiece. So, you know, so some of the – but what I was doing was I was in the process of doing what you were talking about. I was going through and, and you know, converting them into a digital format. But I started mm-hmm. to run out of space. So – and – you know, I just started to re-figure out the process, but I never put the CDs back in the case. So, okay. you know, my, my little ones, you know, he's, you know, crawling and, and learning how to walk with his little push toy, and they shiny toys to him, man. You know, they don't like toys. Yeah, they yeah. just like stuff around the house. <laughs> they never play with toys. So so he got into them, and I come in, and I see them all scattered on the floor. I was like, yep, guess somebody's been busy, and he's asleep. Yeah, man, that's but, usually how it goes, man. I remember I had a couple of, I had, like, some old Clue mixtapes. And this is when Clue was dropping, like, the exclusive stuff, like stuff that wasn't even coming out yet. And, ooh. man, I remember my, my middle son, man, he just, one day he came in, much like you, I had him just kind of on the floor, and he just came in the room and just started jumping on him, like, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> The scene in uh in Chappelle's show when uh he was like uh, F your couch. <laughs> yeah. He, he was like F your CDs, daddy. And um Ooh. man, messed up my cool Ooh. joints, man. And and you know that that stuff is exclusive, so you know it's and it's not like you can go find that stuff anywhere. I mean like these were CDs that I like bought off the street, so Yeah. Um Yeah, man. So it, it's uh, you know, what can you do? You gotta and slowly but surely I think, you know, we all try to you know, convert that stuff over to a digital file as quickly as possible. Yeah, I know these young whippersnappers listening. They don't know what we're talking about, but it's okay. <laughs> right. Uh, right. <laughs> CDs, what's that? <laughs> the phone right. number to call in, 646 yeah, 646-478-0356. I'm your host, 12 Kyle, joined by Bees and, and uh, Ken and FIFO. I guess is on the way. Um a lot of sports to talk about, man. Oh, my gosh. There's uh, <laughs> so many places where we can start. I guess we'll start in the city of brotherly love. Um, the game Sunday between the Cowboys, a lot of drama, a lot of intrigue. Chip uh, Kelly, man. Chip Kelly was a guy who, you know, the word genius got thrown around a lot when you, when you mentioned Chip Kelly's name uh, during the uh, preseason and during the offseason. Uh, of course, he goes out and they sign Sam Bradford. They get rid of Shady McCoy. They get rid of well, Jeremy Macklin left as far as free agent. And um, so, yeah, man, it, it's the Eagles are zero two. Um, I, I I don't even know where to start. Can't, 
What's your, what's your take on the Eagles, man? I mean, Chip Kelly. Well, the way way B put, pushing those buttons over there, it sounds like he's playing Madden, oh, and he's playing me? with the Eagles, trying to run that high-octane <laughs> offense. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was somebody typing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's no, loud. No, no. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Like, um, woo, Chip Kelly, man, what is this? His second year in the league? Um, uh, I think this is year three, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so he had Mark Sanchez, Nick Foles. Wait, wait, wait. Nick Foles, Sanchez, in, in either way. Um, I don't know about Chip Kelly's style of offense in the NFL. It, it worked for a second. And then, of course, we, we've said it before. It's been said multiple times on this show, outside of this show. The league catches up, and these are professional mm-hmm. guys. Yep. And yep. BB says it all the time. They don't get paid for nothing. And that gimmicky offense only works in college at a high consistent level. Chip Kelly hasn't been able to sustain this and look, the first time I saw it I was like, Oh man, you know, this wow, this may actually work. And uh the lead caught up and then I think he you know, he, he kinda finished slow. Um, same thing happened last year, started off fast, finished slow. This time he has control. He has the players he wanted, he got rid of talented players. What you need in the NFL because sometimes you need those guys that can just make plays. He got rid of those guys. He got rid of Deshaun Jackson. He got rid of uh, LaShawn McCoy. You know, he got rid of the guys that can make plays for him when a play breaks down and when the system breaks down. So now he's stuck with, you know, above average guys trying to run a system. The well, only person, the only team and organization I've seen that's been able to run a system consistently and work are the New England Patriots. Their system works all the time. And, you know, you may catch them once or twice. I know a lot of people called them, you know, um, up until before they won the Super Bowl last year. But you cannot deny that the system they play in works. We have evidence because when Brady went down, uh, Matt Castle stepped in and he continued to run the system, you know, and he got a hefty contract off of it. Chip Kelly's system Right now, it doesn't look like it's going to work in the NFL. And because he doesn't have players, the difference makers on that team, he's in trouble. And now we have to look at Chip Kelly, and like you said, genius was thrown around. All of this stuff was thrown around because we saw, we, we got a taste of it, and we was like, oh, man, this, 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 this guy know what he's doing, man. He's going to revolutionize the NBA offensively. And it's, it's not, man. You know, and, and right. you know, it, Jordan Matthews, maybe he is a number two. I, I like what he did, you know, uh, week one against the Falcons. You know, I think what happened uh, the other night was absolutely horrible. They just ran into a team that played harder than they do. So now you got to look at the team and say, are there any players that want to play hard for Chip Kelly, especially considering the offseason they had? So, right. you know, and, and, and at that point, man, when you start to have discord in the locker room and guys questioning what you're doing and, and why you're doing it, or they're believing you up to us, and they believe in you, and it worked in the preseason, and you get into the regular season games, and all these moves you made, all of a sudden it doesn't feel like they're working. Man, these are grown men, dog. Hey, yeah, you know, it, 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 you can only keep their attention for, for so long. 
So, um, you know, the, the, the book, you know, we're, we're, we're still waiting and seeing. But I think now is a good time, third year, to start looking at the guy because he wanted the players. He got rid of the players that he didn't want, brought in the players that he felt that he needed to run the system, and he's 0-2. Um, so we'll see what happens. He sh- there's no reason they should lose this division with the rest of that league looking the way they, they are. None. Right, right, right. Especially with uh, Romo going down and Dez being out, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, <clears throat> also with Philadelphia, man, I'm going to read to you a list, and I think you tweeted this out Sunday. Um, let me just throw some names out at you. Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, Blake Bortles, Jay Cutler, Derek Carr, Eli Manning, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Matthew Stafford, Marcus Mariota, Tannehill, Alex Smith, Romo, Dalton, Bradford, Mallet, Rivers, Flacco, Foles, Manziel, Roethlisberger, Ryan, and Drew Brees. Ken, do you know what all of those quarterbacks have in common? More rushing yards than DeMarco Murray. And look, let me say this. Let me say this. Because I, I, I threw this out there on Twitter, um, and I'm going to say it on the show. Because I want people to hear it. Um, I'm starting to wonder, either he doesn't know how to use DeMarco Murray, or he just brought DeMarco Murray in to help his image. And he he never really wanted him there. Because he's barely giving him carries. The guy led the league last year. The difference between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys is that they gave DeMarco Murray the ball. They got DeMarco Murray running left to right, which is probably more suitable for Ryan Matthews. DeMarco Murray should go straight up the middle, let the man make a couple of cuts, get that yak, and keep it moving. He's at the goal line, he's throwing the ball. Like, it's ridiculous. So now I'm going to start watching his usage rate of DeMarco Murray, and depending on how he uses him and how often he uses him will tell me a lot because if he doesn't give him the ball the way he should – because he's the one that can make that whole offense work. I'm starting to think that he only brought him in to save his image because of everything that was being said about him. And I think we need to watch this and pay attention to it. It could be something that you know could what? be developing. You know what? I, I think you're on to something here. And I think it's uh, – and I'm going to throw it to B, and, and FIFO just joined us too. Um, I think – you make a good point, Ken, and I never really thought about it like this, and I saw something that Deion Sanders had tweeted out on Sunday, and the tweet basically said, you know, did Chip Kelly really want DeMarco Murray, or did he want to just make sure that they took him away from the Cowboys? There's a difference, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, do you either want this guy and feel like where you can fit him into your system? I mean, but DeMarco Murray, had a, he had 11 rushes. He had 11 rushes for, like, three yards on Sunday. I mean, like, that's not – you. I don't know how a back can really get going if you – and, and keep in mind, that game – Sunday wasn't out of reach, so it wasn't like you could say, okay, well, hey, we're down 20. We got to start throwing the ball. They, they For the most part, that they were in that game score-wise, so there's no need to abandon the run. But, I mean, when you start off in shotgun and – you know, his these quarterbacks, they take no snaps under center. And keep in mind, we didn't see DeMarco Murray in the preseason. So this is our first look at DeMarco Murray in that offense. And he looks lost. I mean, like, and you could tell, man, anybody that watched that game Sunday, more than anything else, he wanted to stick it to the Cowboys. He was out there talking trash. He was amped up. You know, he, he was charged up. He was ready. 
And for him to go out and for them to go out and lay the goose egg that they did, even after Romo got hurt, they didn't do anything. I, I'm, I'm, I'm what you can. I'm going to be very interested to see how Murray is used. Chip Kelly said that he was embarrassed at, at the way that they played. I, I, Chip Kelly should be embarrassed because you don't have that, that kind of player and you just sit on him. And I, it remains to be seen. I will table my comments by saying it's only two games. I usually think after two, I think after four or five games, you pretty much know what your team is. And it's, it's trust me, it's a lot of time for them to turn everything around. But it looks real shaky in Philly, man. It looks really, really shaky in Philly. B Z four thirty, man. What, what about you? What's your uh, what's your take on Chip Kelly and his usage of Demarco Murray and just the state of the Eagles right now? Um, I'm gonna give him about another. Like, like you just mentioned, um, Kyle, it's still early, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him about another. You know, like two more weeks or three more weeks to see, you know, is this Chip Kelly project a bust or not, you know. Um, but I'm going to still, still wait. Maybe they still kind of getting, getting the rust off or whatever. So, I don't know, man. It, it, it ain't looking too good right now. And then, like, like you mentioned, I think Kim is too. The use of DeMarco Murray. Like, this dude just came off. He was a leading rusher last season. Why are you not using right. that, man? Like, why? Why? Like, I mean, come on. Like, why? So, you know, it's, it's gonna be interesting, man. I, I'm still, I'm still giving some, I'm still giving some slack for a couple of weeks, but we shall see. No doubt, man. No doubt. Let's bring on uh, quarterback of the crew, my man FIFO. FIFO, what's going on, man? Yo, what's good, man? Chilling, 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 man. I knew you, you, you heard us talking about it, man. Um, give us your thoughts on Chip Kelly, man, and where the Eagles are, and and the usage or lack thereof of Demarco Murray. Man, first off, let me say Ken sound like he's part of the mainstream media already. Like you get you get this man a little bit of platform. He over here sounding like he belongs. But no, nah, here, here here here's here, here's the thing that I saw with them. They look like an offense that's not in rhythm. And this I'm I'm look, and I'm not a Chip Kelly guy. You know, I was kind of on the fence with him. You know, I do definitely think that he's not necessarily revolutionizing, but he's definitely putting his own twist on things with his offense. But when you have an offense that is so particular like that, it has to run on all cylinders for it to look the way it's supposed to look. And they have not been able to get in a rhythm. The only rhythm that they got was that second half against the Falcons. And if we see that more consistently, that's scary. Now, with DeMarco Murray, the, the thing I saw, and it's the same thing I'm seeing with the Colts, is penetration. They, they, their old line is not beating defensive linemen. They're, they're, they're not getting a lot of push. A lot of times, regardless if it's Sproles, whether it's DeMarco or Ryan Matthews, them, they're having to fight the linemen in the backfield. That's a problem. Right. Now, I understand that this offense is a little bit more finesse than it is ground and pound. But, but look, as I never played running back, but you can't do nothing when their lineman is back there already and you just got the rock. Ask Marshawn Lynch because that's the problem mm-hmm. with Seattle as well, at least against the Green Bay Packers this past Sunday or Monday night. Right. So when I see that, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you guys in terms of it's only two weeks in. Now, I'm not giving Chip Kelly no pass because he definitely has to get it right. These are your guys. This is your system. This is what you wanted to do, so you better 
make it work. And Ken made a point as well. DeMarco Murray didn't play in the preseason. So these are kind of like his preseason games right here. Look, it's too early for me to fire sell or to feel like, oh, well, they can't get it on track, this, that, and the third. I definitely think that they can get it on track because we already seen it. Maybe for not an extended period of time, but we see what that what it could be. And we saw it right. last season when we seen an incompetent Mark Sanchez look decent when the Knicks falls. When you look at him in, in St. Louis and what he was able to do under Chip Kelly, he looked like a viable starting quarterback in the NFL. The system is fine. Let's stop jumping on Chip Kelly. He did not go get DeMarco Murray to save face. He got DeMarco Murray because that was the best running back. Now, obviously, fit may not be ideal or exact, but, yo, this is the second week. He hasn't played no preseason. Let's get this thing under underway. Let's, let, let's get it underway. And, and, and I definitely think that you're going to see some strides, but I, I, don't know what we're, I don't know what they're going to be. I know what they could be. I don't know what right. they're going to be, and we're going to know that in the next two to three weeks. That's true. I, I think I think it's just and and, and, I, and that goes for any team. I mean, we're two weeks in. Nobody wins the Super Bowl in week two. Uh, that being said, you, you start to get an idea for trends, and, and it's you know teams that usually make the playoffs get off to a good start. Teams that don't make the playoffs usually you know start off slow, and some teams are really can't afford to start off slow. Uh, the phone number to call in six four six. Four seven eight zero three five six. The place where sports opinions collide. Thank you for tuning in for another edition of Dead in Sports. Um, college football, man. Uh, well, actually, before we go to college, let's stay right there with this Dallas uh, Eagles game. Uh, Tony Romo, man, goes down, broken clavicle. Uh, I believe it's the second time this has happened to him. Um, I guess the biggest question is. Uh, we just got word probably about two, maybe two and a half hours ago that the Cowboys signed. Um, they actually made a trade for Matt Castle with the Buffalo Bills. So they're bringing in Matt Castle. Uh, Brandon Whedon is the backup. Of course, Brandon Whedon has started in the NFL before with uh, the Cleveland Browns. Um, but with Dez Bryant being out for, they pushed his timeline back. We're hearing reports now of 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, Romo's out at least eight weeks. Um, B, uh, what are the Cowboys' chances without uh, without Romo and, and, and Dez? You're talking to people or who? Me? No, me? Beasley. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, man, you you know how I feel. First of all, if you want to tune into our fantasy football show, uh, listening tomorrow, me and Ken, uh, was that 9 p.m.? For an hour, 9 to 10 p.m.? So if you listen to this, make sure you check out our fantasy football What Up Dell show uh, tomorrow. Now, with the Romo situation, y'all going to hear my frustration on that tomorrow. But, um, yeah, I, I don't even know who the Cowboys back up. Like, I don't even know who are they back up, QBs. Brandon, so, Reed, Brandon Whedon, and they just signed uh, Matt Castle. He's coming they in off sign, they, Buffalo. Look, look they, they need to sign um, RG3 because, uh, you know, pretty much <laughs> we already know, how, <laughs> we already know how, how what's the situation up in Washington, so. He needs he needs to go, <laughs> but um yeah man it, it's not looking too good. I know they're I know they're two and zero. They have they have to be the most unhappiest two and zero team, <laughs> you know, right. in the league right now. You are losing pretty much your your best one two combo and Dez Bryant and Tony Romo for pretty much a good three fourths of the season, maybe more, you know. So this this is this is definitely a nightmare. This is one of the 
two and O teams, you I'm pretty sure you'd rather be one and one or zero and two at least have your guys healthy because you do have a shot right. being in it. You know, so yeah, I mean at this point you're looking like you know two and O, we missing our, our go to guys. It, I, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm I'm nervous. I don't care. I'm nervous. I I'm not feeling too good about the way way things looking, especially after week two and Tony Romo going down. So I'm scared. I'm nervous if I'm a Cowboys fan, but. Me not being a Cowboys fan, I can't stand them. So I'm more like a ha 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 ha. So what? What about you, FIFO man? What, what What do you think uh, is going to happen with the Cowboys with Romo uh, being out at least eight weeks, and with, we're hearing rumors about Dez uh, anywhere from eight to twelve weeks. Um, you know, all, all they can try to do is at least go five hundred. Um, I, I look, I'm not a Brent. I'm not a Brandon Whedon guy. Um, I, I didn't really like him that much in college. I didn't really think he was going to do much in the NFL, and he is obviously a career backup. Um, I think there are worse backups in the league, but um, I, I, I don't expect them to do much, um, especially when you have your number one wide receiver and your number one quarterback out. I just I don't. And they lost Demarco Murray in the off season. Their only saving grace is that old line. So whatever they want to do, at least we know they're going to be fundamentally sound. Now, do they have the skilled players to execute that game plan? I don't know. But if they stay conservative. Obviously, that defense is battling some injuries as well uh, because I think Sean Lee is out too, right, or possibly for the whole season now. Am I wrong? Or... Uh, they, they're look Well, I think Sean Lee's been banged up. I know that they, of course, they got – remember, they got Greg Hardy coming over from Carolina. He'll be coming off the suspension uh, in two more weeks. And their number one pick uh, – damn, I can't remember the guy's name. He's out, but he – they expect him to come back right around the same time, probably another two to three weeks as well. So the defense will be getting some help back. Yeah. But overall, you know, like Ken mentioned earlier, this is the, the weakest division in the NFC. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really out there for the Cowboys just to go out there and execute um, and, and really take this opportunity, you know, because obviously Romo doesn't get hurt every day. Dez doesn't necessarily get hurt every day. So this is really an opportunity for Brandon Whedon to, 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 to make a better name for himself in this league, maybe get another opportunity somewhere else to start. So I think guys get excited, but now you just have to execute that game plan. I think this really comes down to Jason Garrett and how he really wants to move forward with this because I, I really don't know how you go to attack. Obviously, you got to get the ball to Jason Witten because he's the last weapon you have left out there offensively. So it's right. going to be real interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Um, but I think that they can manage at least 500. I, I still think that they're talented enough, especially in that division, to at least go 500 while these guys are out. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, the, the player I was thinking of was uh, Randy Gregory. Shout out to uh, my man Captain Sneak on Twitter. Hit us up and told me that information. Randy Gregory, I think he'll be back in about two to three weeks. Uh, I think I read a report earlier today that Jason Witten is questionable for this weekend's game against the Falcons. Uh, he's battling injuries to both his ankles. So uh, make sure that you keep, especially if you're a big fantasy guy, keep a lookout for Jason Witten as well. Um, Ken, man, Cowboys, man, what, what, what's your take on that? How, how do you think they're going to hold up? You know, oddly enough, I think, I, I think um, I'm in agreement with, with FIFA. I think they can – Probably go 500 and and stay um, in the hunt. 
And, you know, that's all they really need to do. If they get Romo back first, you know, he could go out and win the Nets too. And then, you know, Dez come back, they could just go ahead and finish, finish strong. You know, I think this is a, a perfect opportunity for Philly to take control of this before that happens. Because if they right. if they don't, then they're going to be they're going to be in loads of trouble. But for some odd reason, I don't think this will affect them that much. But I, I really need to look at the schedule to to uh, to be hundred percent sure. But I just got a feeling they'll probably go five hundred or you know at least four and four or six and two for whatever reason. I don't know. It's just a weird feeling I have. But we'll see. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think that that division. I will disagree with people. I don't think. I don't think the NFC is as bad as the NFC South. But that's, that's another story for another day. Um, but uh, but I think uh, I, I think it, it's it's hard to tell, man, because like people said, I don't know what we go. I don't know what Brandon Reed is. I just I know what he looked like the last time I saw him in Cleveland. He didn't look good at all. Um, so I don't really know what Brandon Whedon is. So a lot is going to depend on that. Um, obviously, if you lose a guy like Whitten, I can't imagine them, you know, having any type of success if you lose Whitten, Romo, and Des Bryant. I mean, like no team could lose their top three weapons and still be successful. Um, but that being said, the NFC week, uh, NFC East is weak, so um, it's there for the taking. But I think if you're in New York or if you're in DC, you're probably figuring, hey, we got a shot at this. Uh, you know, because the Redskins are at one and one, and they really feel like they're still in it. Um, and it's early. It's early. So we'll see how it plays out, man. I think it's a tough break for uh, Romo as well as Des Bryant. I mean, nobody wants to see uh, guys go out, uh, you know, due to injury. Uh, the phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Uh, let's take it over to college football, man. Um, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um didn't look too good uh, on Saturday, man. The the Buckeyes were to say they were on the ropes is making it uh, light. Um, the Buckeyes actually squeaked out a win. I think it was twenty four seventeen. But in that game, Cardell Jones, uh, aka Twelve Gauge, he was benched for J T. Barrett. Uh, Barrett came in in relief, and Barrett didn't play that much better either. Um, so, people, I'll start with you, man. What What do you think is going to happen? Urban Meyer has not committed publicly to a quarterback, uh, but Ohio State did not look good at all Saturday. Um, how do you think their quarterback situation is going to play out? You know, um, going into the season, I thought it was clear cut. It was going to be Cardell Jones. And, um, you know, I thought Urban Meyer was just, you know, playing these games that coaches play. Um, and I think eventually it will be Cardell Jones. But, um, you know, for the next couple of weeks, I don't know. You know, because, like you said, in this game, who, who did they play? Um, who did Ohio uh, State play? I know they played some cupcakes. Oh, man, I, Northern it Illinois. Was, uh, yeah, 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 Northern Illinois. Yeah, so they play this cupcake-ass team. And I didn't get to watch the whole game, but I saw, I think it was in the fourth quarter, the score was like 20 to 10. I'm like, whoa, this mm-hmm. is supposed to be the Ohio State. So with all that being said, man, I, 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 don't, I think it's going to be Cardell Jones, um, but I, I, I don't know what Urban Meyer is going to do. Um, I, he is a great coach. I definitely think that he is going to figure it out. He's going to put the best man out there. 
But, you know, they they, they got to start clicking. And this is what, the only second week, third week in, in college football. So, third even, week, yeah. look, fo- football is, 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 is a game that you have 11 different people having to be on the same accord. And it takes a little bit of time to get that right. Now, some teams, some players, whatever, they, you know, they, they just have it. They're in rhythm like that. But for some odd reason, Ohio State is not there at this moment in time. Now, am I worried about them? I am not worried about them. They are arguably the most talented team. They have a top three head coach in, in college football. They're going to be fine. I, I, I'm not worried about them. Um, but in terms of the, the quarterback, I'm definitely sticking with Cardell. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, B? Um, Ohio State, man, on the ropes. Uh, how do you think the quarterback situation is going to play out? Uh, yeah, I'm in agreement with people. I think uh, Jones should remain or be the QB for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And, you know, just like people, too, I also think they're just fine because they have a cupcake schedule, which yep. Ohio State, most every year Ohio State always have a cupcake schedule, in my concern. I mean, besides, they only tough game really is going to be against Michigan State, you know, and and that's at home. And, I mean, I'm not even going to include my Michigan Wolverines, so that's going to be a cakewalk for Ohio State. But, yeah, they got – they got they, they're going to be all right. They're going to be just all right because the Big Ten – they're not even playing the top tier, the other top tier Big Ten teams in the, in the, in the other division. Right. So, I they're going to be just fine, man. They're going to be okay. That's just – they got that early that early season rush still. You know, it's still – to me, I still consider the first, like, three weeks of professional football and college football, kind of like a preseason, getting the rust off, getting right, back into the groove. Training, so, yeah. we, you know, we, 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 you're going to see what teams are really made of come week, you know, five, six, seven. So, but I'm not worried about Ohio State. They're going to be just fine. They're going to still be pretty, pretty much probably undefeated uh, season going into the championship, the, play, the college playoffs, I mean. What about you, Ken? Your take on uh, on Ohio State and what do, what do you think is going to happen with the quarterback situation? Um, they looked off, you know, to me. And, and if did. Cardell and, and JT keep playing the way they they are, um, Braxton Miller is going to be back there throwing them the ball. So they better get it together, man. Um, I, You know, I think it was just one of those, like B said, early games. And I think they have to adjust to – taking everyone's best shot, you know, and, and that's what they're going to see um, week in and week out, you know, because people, you know, especially now that they've shown that they can be got. Because um, whoever they play next, I'm like, man, if Northern Illinois got them, we can get them. And they're going to believe that. And they're going to come in and they're going to play that mm-hmm. way now. And this may have also awakened the Dragons. And, and them boys may have, yeah. you know, got, you know, get themselves right. But, the one thing that, that they'll always have, and, and we saw it Saturday, was the defense. And, and as long as they have that, you know, at any given moment, Elliott can pop one. He, he didn't have a good game either. and um, or, or, you know, J.T. Barrett can pop one, or they can hit, you know, Braxton Miller on the screen, and he's out. We've seen what he can do when he gets the ball in his hand. So um, I, I just think it was it was really interesting because, you know, I think this also shows why you have to, to – well, you don't have to, but – you know, when you continue to, to play with quarterbacks like that, you know, sometimes it helps to he's in a he was in a unique situation where he couldn't he really couldn't decide on who he had, but it would have been nice to know who you had so they could get the reps that they needed so they could be ready week in and week week out. You know, this this whole roller coaster ride of who's gonna be the starter or letting, you know, Cardell know that he's the starter right before tip off, 
that that's not good, man. These are kids, and you know right. they, they need to kind of know this stuff so they can get themselves prepared to defend a national championship um, mentally. Like, tell us somebody before tip off, and this was the week before that you're the starter. I, I don't know, man. That 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 wasn't cool. Um, so, but I, I think this was just you know just kind of a letdown and. And they're still fighting for that spot. So each 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 one of them go out there, and, and they're playing hard. And maybe they're playing a little too hard and, and, and pressing. But he needs to make a decision. He needs to stick to it. And if it's going to be Cardell Jones, let him him struggle through his issues, you know, for the game. Because you know, at some point he'll need him. But like B said, the schedule is weak. They cannot afford a loss. A loss, and and more than likely they're out of it because. They don't. They won't have the the strength of schedule to support them going to the national championship. No doubt. And and you mentioned uh, quarterback uh, quarterback issues. That we just got word probably a little earlier this afternoon that um surprisingly Auburn is switching quarterbacks. They're going from uh, Jeremy Johnson to Sean White. Uh, Jeremy That's Johnson not a surprise. A, well, well, it, it's it's not a surprise. But when you look at where Jeremy Johnson was coming into the season, this is a guy who was – they were talking about possible Heisman candidates. And, I mean, he has looked awful in the, in the yeah. games that he's played. And, I mean, he really stuck up the joint when they almost lost to Jacksonville State a couple of weeks ago. And then they go into they go into Death Valley in LSU uh, this past Saturday and get smoked. Um so it'll be interesting to see how things play out in Auburn as they make a quarterback switch um, with a guy who was a Heisman candidate, you know, coming into the season. Um, as far as Ohio State, I think you got to roll with 12 gauge. I think you got to roll with Cardell Jones. Um, I like B said, it, this is kind of like the preseason for them. Ohio, if Ohio State had a tougher schedule, I would probably be worried. But they're probably going to have one or two more games like this where they're on the brink of losing, um, but they pull it out. Uh, but you can't afford to play like this because as the season progresses, you're going to have big, you know, bigger and better competition. So I, I don't think it bodes well for Ohio State to get in the habit of you know, kind of playing down to the level of their competition. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out with them. And I'm with you, Ken. I would much rather, if I'm, one of the, if I'm 12 gauge, if I'm – JT Barrett, I want to know that I'm the starter, or if I'm the backup, let me know on Monday. You know, I don't that, that and and you know, I'm pretty sure these guys are getting equal reps in practice. But you you can't you you can't keep seesawing back and forth with guys and a guy you know whoever is starting, they got to know that okay, hey, I'm starting and I'm not looking over my shoulder. Um, you can't play football like that. You know, you can't play any sport like that. You're worried about getting pulled at the first time you make a mistake. So. Um, I mean, Urban Meyer's been here before. He's used the two-quarterback system, and he said that he's, this is what they plan to do, but he's going to have one solidified starter. So uh, I guess we'll find out moments before kickoff again. Um, keeping it with college football, uh, man, probably the game of the, of the weekend, uh, shootout thriller uh, between Ole Miss. Ole Miss goes into Tuscaloosa, and beats the number two ranked Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, knocking Alabama. I think it's the first time Alabama is Alabama's now ranked 12. I think they're out of the top 10 for the first time in like five or six years. It's been a minute since they haven't been ranked in the top 10. There were a lot of great highlights for that game. 
Ken, what did you take away from that game between Ole Miss and uh, Alabama? Um, man, that was – you're right. That was a crazy game. Like, it, it had so many big plays and busted plays that turned into big plays. Um, and it was very, very exciting to watch. Um, Ole Miss looked absolutely dominant, but um, as has it always been uh, when it comes to Alabama – especially in, in, in Tuscaloosa, somehow they find a, find a way to get back in the game through just some fluke, lucky stuff. This time, luck wasn't on their side. And um, <laughs> right. and they ended up losing, thank God, because I don't like Alabama. Um, anyway, so, you know, uh, being a Mississippi guy, you know how that go, man, just a state-to-state rivalry. Of course, robbery. of course, of course. But, um, and, you know, I had to pull for Ole Miss, too, even though I don't like Ole Miss either because of – you know, they're past, but, uh, but I'm going to pull for the home state. So, anyway, I, I was, you know, I thought that when the game started off that Ole Miss almost blew it because they had to settle for, you know, field goals when they were turning Alabama over um, and, and they weren't able to convert them into touchdowns. And normally that's a that's a recipe for, you know, a, a disaster when it, when it's playing, you're playing a team like Alabama who has this, 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 this air of confidence about them that no matter what happens, they're – They'll find a way to win the game. Not this time. Derrick Henry is probably the only guy they have. They don't have anybody that to replace Amari Cooper. Nobody's stepped up. The quarterback situation is an absolute nightmare. I don't know what happened to Blake Sims. I need to look it up. I don't know if he was a, a, a senior or what, whatever. But I think he was um, a senior. But, I think he was a senior. Well, he wasn't any better anyway. Um, but he was better than what they have, and that's the right, thing. Right. They don't really have anybody to throw the ball. I think that, as you know, they like this Cooper Bateman guy. You know, he completed uh, around a high percentage of his passes, but I think there were safer throws. You know, Cock- Coker, I think he's from Florida State, right, Kyle? Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I think they should just roll with him, man. I mean, he, he you know, he has a little bit more experience. And he made mistakes, but he somehow managed to get them back in the game. And it's another situation where they need to settle on a quarterback and live with the results. And give it to Derrick Henry and Kendall, Kendall Drake. Those are your playmakers. Put the balls in their hands and let them do what they do. But all of that being said, I don't hope. I, I hope they lose every single game from here because I don't <laughs> like Alabama anyway. So I was happy to see them, them take that L. Right. You know, because it, it seems like every year, like, ah, I won't even get into that. But anyway, uh, it was a great game. If you missed it, uh, hopefully you'll catch a replay on uh, SEC uh, Network because it was right. it was full of a lot of thrills and, and big plays. And um, it was definitely worth sitting down and watching. But it went on. I was with you, Kyle, on Twitter. It went on for, like, forever. Yeah, man, man. That, but Ole Miss is ready, man. Ole Miss could be a sleeper. You're right. You're right, man. We were tweeting back each other back and forth, man. I was, and, and keep in mind that game started at nine fifteen. And, and Ken, I kid you not, that game went off till nine. It was like a quarter to two, right here on the East Coast. So it was just like it was late. But I mean, it was. Uh, and I think somebody texted me, and I actually kind of dozed off somewhere in the third quarter. But I woke back up because I I knew that this was going going to be one of those games. Like when you wake up the next day, you didn't want to miss it. Um, as for Alabama, man, I think it's just kind of weird to see them have as many big holes as they have or had those many plays on defense. I mean, think about it like this. When's the last time you've seen an Alabama team 
give up 40-plus points at home. I mean, Ole Miss is – and I slept on Ole Miss. Ole Miss is – they're loaded on both sides of the ball, and for them to come in and beat them in Tuscaloosa, I mean, it had to be gratifying. Um, SEC is – I mean, it's they're going to beat each other up. And so, you know, there's no rest for the weary. Each week you got to come in and come out and, and play your best game. I mean, you know that's what it is in the SEC. But I was, I was very impressed with uh, Ole Miss. Very impressed with Ole Miss. People, what was your, uh, what was your take on Ole Miss Alabama? One of the craziest games that I watched um, because Alabama looked like they was all the way out of it, but. Um, you know, right. they stuck in there, and they showed that they have moxie. They showed that they're going to be there at the end, even though when everything was going bad. Um, but, you know, that SEC, man, it's, it's tough. And, and, you know, we've been doing that in sports for a while. And, you know, everybody that listens, I'm not that big, you know, I'm not that big on college football, but there are, I feel like, a couple of rules, at least a couple of guidelines. It's not if you lose, it's when you lose. And right, Bama right, lost right. early, which is good for them. Exactly. Because can you imagine if this was toward the end of the season, now they're out of the top ten. See, mm-hmm. like they can still get back into the top ten because these boys are in the SEC. So they, they, it, I think it's perfectly fine. I think Ole Miss is for real. Um, I definitely think that uh, the quarterback that played, I, and you already know me and names, there's too many damn people, but the quarterback that played, <laughs> his biggest issue – he, that boy got a cannon, but he stares down his receivers, yeah, which does. is a problem, especially when you play against a defense that is bringing pressure and they're anticipating quick throws. Once you lock on that first receiver, which is what happened to, to them late on um, that last interception, he threw, he, he just locked down, and, and you, can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. He doesn't have enough game experience for me to really get on him, but hopefully he gets better. Hopefully they figure it out. But at the end of the day, they're going to be fine because because you, you saw it. They were a little bit in disarray. Ole Miss came out, gave him a good shot, and it was a whole bunch of crazy stuff that happened. That play where the quarterback fumbled the, 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 the snap from center, and then yeah, through yeah. the – man, what? The, you can't – bro, you – come on, man. Come on, man. So, and you know, so you know, it was almost – you know that's like when that stuff happens, and you like it is like you. I know you played basketball where where guys probably you were better than, and you knew you were better than him. He starts making these lucky shots. Yep, yep, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's just nothing, nothing you can do about it. So you know, I I understood it, and it was almost like. Ole Miss was predestined to win that game the way that the the ball was rolling right. that way. So it is what it is, and it's early. And I'm not. I'm not. Worried. Is Nick Saban? Uh, I, I tell you this though, L- Lane Kiffin got to figure it out. Lane Kiffin got to yeah. figure it out, man. He got to figure it out. And shout out to Kenyon Drake, uh, Hillgrove class of 2013. Same year as my brother. So shout out to Hillgrove. No doubt, no doubt. That's in uh, Marietta, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Marietta, man. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, my brother was telling me how crazy he was in high school because obviously he, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, the have, fact that he won. I remember that kid. They had a squad over there. They had a squad mm-hmm. over there. Uh, what about you, B? What's your take on Alabama Ole Miss? Alabama goes down uh, and is now ranked 12th, and they are out of the top 10 for the first time since, what, 2010? 
Um, yeah, I think I think it's pretty amazing, and I know you know Ole Miss is excited about it being a two years in a row that they got Nick Saban in, in, in Alabama. I know that has to be like a wonderful feeling. Um, crazy game though, crazy game. Games like this is, is why you can appreciate you know the excitement of college sports and college football. You know, it's just like down to the wire, and just like Ken, I was like, you know. I'm like Alabama's going to get back into this game. Something—they're not going to go down without swinging. And, and and please believe they gave us a heck of a comeback and they they stayed in it, you know. Because then they're at home, so I, I I thought they were going to win. I was like, there's no way Alabama's going to let these boys beat them two years in a row at home at the house. You know what I'm saying? So, but it was a good game, man. Overall, I, I thought yeah, Ken and people touched on some good points. I thought that you know Lane Kiffin do got to get it together. I was it was some, it was a couple of play calls in, in that fourth quarter that was kind of like. What are you thinking, dude? Like I don't know. I don't know. If it was the pre- I don't know if it was like the pressure or he got. You know, I don't know. It just seemed like some of the play calling was a little iffy. I thought, or either just the players didn't execute it well. But yeah, Lane Kiffin, that he, that was he, it was some bad calls on that. But overall, I thought it was a really good game. It was it was really good, um, exciting. Yeah, I think I didn't realize what time it was to after. Like you said, Kyle. Like I didn't realize what time it was after the game was over. I was like, damn. It. Two minutes, it's supposed to be two minutes, you know, like, that's two something. Like, you didn't realize you was glued to the TV watching that game. So, that just shows, that's just another way to show you how good the game was. Because sometimes you forget that time of distance when you're watching a good game, whether it's football, basketball, whatever. So, that, yeah, definitely one of the, so far, one of the top games of the year this season in 2015, college sports. No doubt. I, I feel the same way, man. I, I just, I wasn't even mad to be up that late because I was entertained. I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, the phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. This is the place where sports opinions collide. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Welcome to another edition of Dead End Sports. Joined by my partners, BZ, FIFO, and Ken. Hit us up, 646-478-0356. I uh, want to jump back to the NFL, man. Um <laughs> Last night, man, it got real ugly for your boy, Andrew Luck, man. Um, I mean, real ugly. Really, really ugly. Uh, cost me a fantasy game, but that's another story for another day. But um, Andrew Luck, man, he struggled last night. I mean, the Jets have a great defense, but the uh, Colts are 0-2. Again, we will preface our comments by saying that it is early. So we're only two games into the season. But the Colts have not looked good. Uh, there are a lot of people, myself included, who picked the Colts to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I think all of us had Andrew Luck in our top five. Um, I think one of us might have had Andrew Luck number one. Um, there's some rift between head coach Chuck Pagano and the GM. Uh, there was a press conference today where Chuck Pagano uh, said that the quarterback has to take care of the ball. He was like, it's not trigonometry. People kind of took that as shade toward Andrew Luck and that he kind of threw Andrew Luck under the bus. Uh, Pagano has since come out to uh, kind of draw back on those comments. Um, Ken, man, it, it, with Luck, man, what, what's the issue there? Um, well, you know, they started 0-2 last year, made the playoffs. Um, I'm confident I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I think I am – yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think I'm the one that had Andrew Luck rated uh, as the best quarterback in, in the league. Um, and I'm going to stick by okay. that. He looked absolutely terrible. But um, early season woes, and um, and I think he'll he'll get it together. The man's still 
I think last year, what, threw 40 touchdowns. You know, he turns the ball mm-hmm. over a lot. That is true. At, he does, I believe, lead the league in turnovers since what, 2014, whatever stat that's uh, floating out there. Um, but but look at it this way. Can you imagine what would happen if he stopped turning the ball over? And, you know, you also have to take into account um, some of the, the teams he's played on where he's had to do a lot because he didn't have a lot. Um, sometimes he didn't have a, a good defense. He didn't, you know, his receivers weren't, you know, the the best. You know, Andre Johnson is still trying to integrate himself into the system. Frank Gore, you know, ran well. Right. You know, but he had a costly fumble. Nobody's really talking about that. But uh, he fumbled the ball. So, overall, last night was a poor team effort. And that fumble that Andrew Luck had, you know, it, it was uh, him just trying to make a play. And, and, you know, he just got careless. But, you know, what I kept hearing the announcers say was that um, the receivers are not getting open. And they're blaming everybody except Luck. And there was one of those interceptions where the ball was tipped. Um, right. You know, and, and that resulted in a, in a pick, and, and those things happened. Um, and in other places, you know, he just bad throws and him just trying to make a play. I wasn't too, too upset by it because that performance by the Jets caught, gave me a fantasy win over me. So I'll <laughs> take it. You know, but it did bring up this discussion. And, of course, Q, you know, he, he's quick to fly off the cuff and, and throw um, – Andrew Luck, you know, under the bus and call him overrated. And, uh, and uh, you know, he, he always have a tendency to overreact. He'll be eating his words later, as we'll see. I hope, um, I hope he calls in after that Philadelphia performance. Yeah, I mean, yeah right. So uh, he need to be worried about Philly. But, but overall, man, I think <laughs> one of the things that, that really stood out to me the most was that, you know, here's Andrew Luck who um, has a, a, a tendency and is now – being widely discussed, um, his turnovers. And for a while, you know, it really wasn't as much of a thing as it's turning into now. They kind of gave him a pass. But then I thought about some other guys where they say, well, you know, he turns the ball over a lot. You know, I thought about all the talk they were talking about Winston and how they jumped on him for turning the ball over a lot, you know, before he even made it to the NFL. But Luck goes out there, he leads the NFL in turnovers, and nobody's really discussing it. I thought that that was kind of interesting. Now, on the flip side, they do jump on Cutler for for turning the ball over a lot. So, you know, um, you know, but but Cutler has been maligned since he came in the NFL. You know, um, and and Romo was the same way for a while, but he seemed to write the uh, write the ship. But I thought that that was kind of interesting that you know people. Um, gave Luck a pass for all of the turnovers that he was making. I don't think that's the case now. I think now it's becoming a a big topic of discussion because it is, what, his third or fourth year. So at this point, he should be playing much, much better. But I don't think Luck is overrated. I think that they played two great defensive teams in Buffalo and the Jets. And I think that they'll be all right. The only thing that concerns me is this, and this is my final point. If they have problems with tough defensive teams, I have to start thinking about them going to the Super Bowl because they are going to play some tough defenses in the right. you know on their path. And if you can't beat tough defenses, and if 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 Pagano can't give them a system to help them do it, an offensive game plan or strategy, they're not going. So you know, and especially Lux turning the ball over, but I think they'll be okay. 
What about you, Beasy? Um, Andrew Luck, man, are you concerned? I mean, can't talk about the target. And that's been the topic of conversation. Uh, uh, I, I didn't realize it was that bad until I started looking at some of these numbers. Uh, what's your take on Andrew Luck thus far throughout the season? Um, I'm not. It ain't nothing to be worried about. It's two games. It's, we was just People were just praising. Everyone was just praising Andrew Luck, how he took a, pretty much a team of nobodies to the AFC Championship game. You know, granted, they lost. They lost, a pretty, uh, <laughs> lost pretty bad. But still, the fact that he had nothing, and they won, you know, they went to the AFC Championship game. People was like, oh, Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I'm still praising him. I'm still, I'm still praising him and everything. Like, I still think he's the top quarterback easily, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, you know, top three, top five, whatever you want to call it. He's easily. So, just because, and like Ken mentioned, too, and me and him talked about it, he played against some really good defenses. I mean, probably the two best defenses in the league, you know, as of right now. So, yeah, I mean, people are just, Let's not jump the gun. I mean, now if he was still play, if he's been playing like this for like seven, eight weeks in a row, you know, then you can probably be like, well, man, what, what's going on? What's up? What's up? But it's just two games. Calm down. He played against some top-notch defenses. We're gonna see what he's. You know, it's just early. People are gonna be dogging him out now, and then come week fourteen, they are gonna say, man, I knew luck was gonna turn. I knew luck was gonna be luck. So just right. it's nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about right now. Tifa, what about you? Uh, Andrew Luck, uh, any concerns uh, thus far two games throughout the season? I'm not concerned about Andrew Luck himself. Um, I'm more concerned about Chuck Pagano and his, you know, future in the NFL overall. And this is the reason why I say this. I think that the Colts messed up when they got rid of Bruce Arians. I think Bruce Arians was the perfect fit for that team. We all saw when Chuck McConnell went down, how Bruce Arians took that team and really elevated them and elevated the play of Andrew Luck. Chuck McConnell, and I've been on him for the last two years, he's too conservative. You have a racehorse. You need to air it out and let Andrew Luck be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And to be a best quarterback, you actually throw the rock. So, with all that being said, I can't remember the GM's name, but he is the owner's guy, and Pagano is not the GM's guy. So, Pagano is going to be gone. It's either Super Bowl or bust, and the way, look, 12% of NFL teams that start off 0-2 make the playoffs. Forget a Super Bowl, make the playoffs, and we all pick the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I still think that they can make it because of who they have, but that old line is extremely suspect. They it looks like they almost regressed. Um the the, the 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 guys that they brought in, the marquee guys, they haven't gotten into a rhythm and of course they've played two top five defenses in the league. So we gotta take this with a grain of salt. I understand all that, but still I think Pagano is the main issue. I think that offensive line is the second issue. But I don't think Pagano's going to be there. I'm not worried about Andrew Luck at all whatsoever. He's going to play another 15 years. I'm not worried about this guy. He, come on, let, let, let's be honest. You think we're going to get another 14 weeks of this? And if you do, right. call in the show and let's make a bet because I need some money. Exactly. But, yeah, man. I, I, think, I think I agree with you, man. I, I think Luck will be fine. I think uh, you, you touched on a great point. I think 
Pagano, especially with this, and, and a lot of this stuff happens when teams start losing. You start hearing little rumblings here and there and, you know, people talking about this or that. Um, I think that I'm hoping for their sake it's as much about nothing. I think ultimately in that division, they should still, I mean, they could go, they could start off 0-4 and still win that division. Nobody's going to catch them in that division. Um, what it does happen, and, and I will say this the same as far as Dallas, where it affects them is that maybe you don't get home field advantage down the road with not having that great of a record, and you have to go on the road in inclement weather somewhere down the road to, to get a playoff victory. Uh, that being said, I think luck will be fine. I, you know, outside of that late fumble, they had a when the game started off, man. For, I don't know about you guys, but Frank Gore looked like he looked like a beast, man. I'm like, yo, free feed Frank Gore. Uh, but he had a couple of great runs that were called back on penalties. Uh, penalties always drive killers. Um, I know that the Colts have a makeshift makeshift uh, new offensive line. Um, they'll get it together. But like Ken said, you can't. I don't care who you are. You can't turn the ball over. I mean, and a quarterback can't turn the ball over. That that just can't happen. Uh, if it does, you know, you're going to get criticized for it. And I think we're we're at the point now where. You know, luck can't. He, he, luck can no longer get a pass for those type of turnovers because you just they're drive killers. And and I get it. You know, if a ball gets tipped off a guy, it's still an interception. Um, you know, but he, he's got to play better and he's got to protect the ball better. Um, I didn't really read a lot into Pagano's statements about luck and about it being trigonometry, uh, but the media and Twitter literally ate this up and they said that you know he was throwing him under the bus and everything to the point where he had to come back and make another statement saying, hey, I was trying to give him praise. Didn't really sound like it, but he said he wasn't throwing any shade his way. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, the phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. One hour is down. Another hour to go. You are locked in to Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. Um I want to jump back to the NFL real quick. Um, Richard Sherman, uh, all-world cornerback, all-pro cornerback from the uh, Seattle Seahawks, uh, made the headlines off the field. Now, Richard Sherman's a very smart guy, a uh, very bright guy, went to Stanford. He's from Compton. Um, but he made some comments uh, about the Black Lives Matter movement. And we, anybody listening, you know about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um you guys have done videos on it. We've done shows about, you know, the social injustices that are happening in this country, particularly to minorities. Here's what Richard uh, Sherman had to say, and I'll read it to you. Uh, this was at his press conference this past Wednesday. He said, and I quote, I don't think it's any time to call out for an all-out war against the police or any race of people. I thought that was an ignorant statement. But as a black man, I do understand that black lives matter. You know, I stand for that. I believe that wholeheartedly. But I also think that there's a way to go about things. And there's a way to do certain things. And I think the issue at hand needs to be addressed internally before we move on. Because from personal experience, you know, you have living in the hood, living in the inner city. You deal with things. You deal with people dying. I dealt with a best friend getting killed. It was by by two 35-year-old black men. Wasn't no police officer involved. Wasn't anybody else involved. 
I didn't hear anybody shouting Black Lives Matter then. I think it's to the point we need to get to where we d- deal with our own internal issues before we move forward and start pointing fingers and attacking other people. We need to solidify ourselves as a people, deal with our issues, because as long as we have black on black crime and, you know, one man, one black man killing another, if black lives matter, then it should matter all the time. You should never let anybody get killed. That's someone's son. That's somebody's brother. That's somebody's friend. You should always keep that in mind. Close quote. Um, Sherman, we don't have the audio, but I just read to you what he said. I think that's the first time I've ever heard Richard Sherman speak on something and sound uh, kind of nervous, like he was almost treading down a path that he wasn't sure that he really wanted to go down. Um, but those are his comments, and he caught a lot of flack about it. Um, I gave you the comments. FIFO, what's your take on what Richard Sherman had to say? Um. You know, this is the first time me hearing this, and I was like, okay, so why are we, I don't know, why would he get slapped for that? I think he was 100% spot on, you know, and I think that, you know, we just live in this popcorn microwave society that everything seems to be taken out of context. Or this, look, what well, Richard, Richard Sherman is a smart man. This man went to Stanford and graduated early, okay? So, so, so. When, 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 I, I think what he said was perfectly fine. I think it was profound. I think that we need to truly look at what we're jumping behind because all black lives matter, not just the ones that get killed by a white man. You know what I'm saying? Not just the ones that are, you know, the people that get killed by cops or whatever the, the, the trendy thing is to, to go behind. No, all black lives matter regardless of how they, you know, were, were, you know, what happened to him. So, so I think he was 100% right. I think that those people that have an issue with what he's saying, like, I, like, did you even pay attention or listen to what he was actually trying to express? So, you know, look, I, I don't go with, with, with society, man. I have my own brain. I digest what happens in the world, and, 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 and I internalize it, and, and I just live my, 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 my world, man, because, if I if I was to pay attention to everything and hop up, man, look, I, I go crazy. I, I go crazy. But I don't think Richard Sherman was out of bounds at all. Okay. Beasy, what about you, man? What was your take on Richard Sherman's comments? Beasy. Oh, oh, my bad. My bad. Um, <laughs> I thought I had my phone. I had my phone on mute. Um, it's all good. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, for one, we, we live in a society now where if you, ha- if you have an opinion, the whole world is gonna get to, you know. Um, that's just that's just a nutshell version. So, and another thing, I don't really pay too much attention to what you know celebrities or famous athletes say. I mean, they're gonna have their own opinion. It's not gonna make or break me. I'm not. It's not gonna change the way how I feel about the situation. And how of a of a star athlete feels, so you know I don't kind of I kind of don't see what's the big deal because this is like yeah it's, it's almost kind of expected I mean I, I, in, in a sense so it's just like it doesn't really phase that much and I don't really pay attention to it that much because you know he's gonna have his own 
way of thinking or saying how he feels, and I'm going to have my own way. I'm not going to be like, hey, man, you know, just because he disagree, he might disagree with whatever he says, I'm not going to just be open arms and all that stuff. And that's just the world we live in, thanks to the Internet. But, um, yeah, I mean, it didn't really, it didn't really, it didn't really phase me that much. It's just like, whatever. Okay, Sherman. <laughs> he's he's going to say some a bold statement sometimes that I agree with. He's going to say some bold statements sometimes that I, that I disagree with. So, it right. just happens to be sometimes he's that I disagree with or whatever. But it, I'm not going to be all the time. But I think, um, I, I think, I, I understand, I, I guess I can start by saying, I understand where he was trying to go, right? I understand because he, when he personalized it, he said he had his best friend that was killed by two 35-year-old black men. I get it. Um, I'm not really one to really get too much into what an athlete has to say on a political or uh, social stance unless that's their MO. If, they, if that's something that they normally do, then I'll probably listen. Um, but I try, you know, I try to separate the two. Like a lot of people fell out of, you know, a lot of people got mad the other day when Brady, you know, kind of publicly endorsed Donald Trump. Now, Brady's more than welcome to publicly endorse whomever he likes. I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump for the school picnic, but that's just me. Um, that being said, I think I think where Sherman missed the boat at is that when you talk about Black Lives Matter, he doesn't know much about the movement. So I don't really know that you can talk about a movement that you know very little about. The 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 in the neighborhoods and stuff where black on quote unquote black on black crime happens, there are people out there fighting every day to prevent it and to educate people to stop the crime. Is, crime crime is a matter of proximity. So if you live in a black neighborhood, if you commit a crime, you're probably going to be committing against someone of your same race. I mean that's just a fact. So I don't think Sherman. I get where he was trying to go. He just didn't get there. I think if I could kind of put it in a sports equation, he didn't round all the bases. He got to like halfway between second and third and he stopped. Um, so it's bigger than the Black Lives Matter movement, but he doesn't know about what people are doing. And and just because you don't hear people speak about it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't happen. And I would say to Richard Sherman, if he was sitting right next to me, I would say, you know, maybe people have been talking about it, but you never open your ears to listen. So, you got to be kind of careful when you speak out on these social type issues because, you know, there's a segment of population that, that is going to really understand what you what it is that you have to say. And there's another part of the population that won't. And and last one, I'll throw it to Ken. I think the, pro, the biggest problem I had with what Richard Sherman said is not so much as what he said, but Richard Sherman will now be the voice of reason for those who, you know, for example, Fox News, who will say, oh, well, Richard Sherman says black people should worry about black-on-black crime. Now, now he's their champion. They're going to parade his quotes out there. But these are the same people that was calling Richard Sherman a thug two years ago. That's the problem that I have with it. So Richard Sherman, while I respect what he had to say, I don't think he completed his thought because he's kind of, it sounds to me like he's speaking on something that he has very little knowledge about. Kim, what, what's your what's your take on uh, Sherman's uh, Sherman's uh, comments? <clears throat> How much time we have? <laughs> <laughs> we got um, time, man. We got time. It's, it's, it's your it's your show. 
man, you know, I was I was disappointed in Richard Sherman because he's a highly intelligent man, um, and I think he, if he doesn't know about the movement, you know, as you alluded to, Kyle, I, I think he, if he, if he looked more into it, he would reframe what he was saying. Black Lives Matter is is a is a powerful movement. It's something that we need, and I think when you start to include people outside of the race, you you marginalize and you remove some of that power. The Black Lives right. Movement was born out of people dying at the hands of cops, or you know, at the hands of wannabe cops. You know, these violent acts that were committed because. People outside of the black race looked at us as savages, as less than humans. You know, it's like a return to how we, how things were back in the 60s and the 50s and the 40s. You know, so right. now all of a sudden people are standing up and saying enough is enough. You know, it's not that they're, it, they're, we're not doing anything internally in our own communities because there are a lot of things that are going on in, the, in, in certain neighborhoods, but you also have to look at how the neighborhoods that he's talking about got to where they are, you know, by right. basically just pushing all these people into this this, this one area. And, and like you said, Kyle, it, it's proximity killings more than black-on-black -black crime. And this black-on-black -black crime, this, this false narrative that's being pushed out there and exactly. further endorsed by people that have a voice like a Richard Sherman, like a Stephen A. Smith, they go on and say all lives matter. Well, uh, absolutely fucking it does. Like, we don't know that. We're not saying that it doesn't. But can you also include, but we're talking about a specific subset of people, a specific race that has had to endure punishment, had to endure slavery, had to endure, you know, just improper treatment, hanging, all of this stuff, you know, we have to fight for freedom, and then we become free, and then we have to fight for freedom again. You know, and it's like, right. when is the struggle going to stop? There was a story about these, these white guys that tried to lie and said, you know, black people vandalize this truck. Are they writing Black Lives Matter on their truck? That's what they are. They're trying to take away this, and they're trying to make it seem like it's a, it's a, it's a violent act. I got into a, yeah, a little bit of a discussion with this guy on, on Twitter when I, it was something, something to say. I said, Wale, Wale has something to say about it. And he's, mm -hmm. same old thing. You know, yeah, we need to worry about, you know, ourselves, you know, and, and fix what's going on in our communities and this, that, and the other. You know, and, and I was like, man, we need to stop pushing this. You know, I called it a myth, and I think that may have been the wrong term. Um, because statistically, you could probably support um, black-on-black crimes. And this kid was like, oh, well, you got to show me. I need a source. I was like, you know, and a couple of people hit me up, and I was like, I'm not giving you a source. I'm telling you what right. it is. You go Google it. And you read it for yourself because it'll do you much more service than me telling you something. Go, put it in, do your Googles, look it up, read for yourself and understand how people are taking this data, interpreting it and flipping it, manipulating data. Um, so he sent me this article and the article was like, it was updated as of 2015. And it said, see, see, 93% of, of, of crime, you know, blacks are killed by other blacks. He totally ignored, for one, the proximity part that it totally explained everything right. that was uh, reported. He totally ignored that, and he also totally ignored eighty-four percent of white people kill white people. So we right. have a, a less than ten percent. Uh, we kill you know our own race because of proximity. 
<laughs> not that we're just running around capping black folks. So because right. it's just slightly higher than white people, all of a sudden we have a problem. I think the white people have a problem in their community because 84% of them are killing each other. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, you, did you not read the article? He's like, well, you got to explain it to me. Be specific. Motherfucker, can't you read? It's right there in the article. And it's right beside this chart. How can you look at 93% and totally ignore 84%, which if you look at the 84%, it'll bring everything into context. It'll make everything makes more sense that they're just taking one side of the story and pushing it out. And that is the problem that I have with Richard Sherman because I know that if he would, and, and I don't know if he doesn't know, if he knows this or not, I don't know. He may know it, he may still feel that way, he's entitled to. But you can't get on that, I mean, you can, obviously you can, but I think we have to be careful, and we have to start fighting back against this, this narrative that's out there about black-on-black crime. We have to fight it because it's being used against us by the media to create what's kind of happening now. You have Stephen A. Right. Smith, you have Richard Sherman, and what's going on? We're arguing amongst each other instead of fighting for the black lives. Because we're going to take care of our own because there are people out there doing community service and work in the communities. It's all out there if people just look for it. So, but right. because they're pushing this stuff and, and people don't read or research or decide to look it up, they just take what they have and then they just go around and just spewing all of this, 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 this stuff that has been force-fed to them. And it's so disturbing. It's so simple. Just typing in, look, read, and comprehend. It is, it's not that difficult. So, yeah, I had a problem with what he said because, you know, it's just reinforcing what's being said out there, and it, it, it bothers me. It's, it's, it's like you said, Kyle, and it's common fucking sense. It's proximity keep people because we as a society naturally segregate ourselves because we want to live by other people that are just like us. You know, for the most part, you know, if you, go, you can go anywhere in the country and see that, you know, people are kind of naturally segregated. So what happens, you get into it, and you're going to kill somebody. But in, that happens to be your own race. My God, man, it's, it's not hard. It's not difficult. So, you know, I don't mind him speaking out. I just, uh, I, it just, I just need him to be a little bit more informed. And I think you were right. I think when he was talking, he was kind of, I think it started by some article that was out there. He kind of got yeah, caught up in the moment. Article. And, yeah. yeah, it was an and, article that misquoted him about Black Lives Matter or something, and it was something that was attributed to him. So he actually had to address this at the beginning of his press conference, and he had to distance himself from whatever this was that someone was trying to attach themselves to his his quotes or whatever. This is before he made these the quotes that I read, and so that's how he got on this, this discussion. Um, and before we move on to the next topic, um. Let me read to you what his teammate, defensive lineman Michael Bennett, had to say about his uh, comments. Uh, Michael Bennett says, oh, yes, I was reading Richard Sherman's quotes yesterday. I would like to say I disagree with some of the, th- some of the things that he said. I think when people talk about black, the Black Lives Matter things, I think he's misinterpreting that, that black people kill black people, white kill people, kill white people. Frankly, people kill people every day. I think the black lives thing is more about social injustice, not so much the injustice of people killing within the community. It's about the social injustice of the people that is supposed to protect them and building in the community of the black community, not just black people, too, because you see 
a lot of people within the Black Lives Matter organization that are white, Spanish, and they're all dealing with the same type of hardships that are going around the world, close quote. So I think when you get a guy like Michael Bennett who has a different mindset, I think that he can go talk to a guy like Richard Sherman and say, hey, man, I don't like what you said, and let me tell you why. And then they can have an open discussion about it. And I think that that's healthy. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think, and I think it bodes well for a team like Seattle because Pete Carroll lets his, his players be men. He treats them like me. He doesn't treat them like little boys. So I think that if nothing else, I felt a little bit more encouraged by Michael Bennett's comments because I think he's a guy that is going to war with Richard Sherman every Sunday, and they've yep. won a championship together. And they, they bond together, and, they're, and I'm assuming that they're close because they're teaming. And I think that they can have a type of discussion similar to the one that we've had both on and off the air about this type of situation so that, you know, when you do speak on something, you, you have, you're a little bit more informed. You know, and I think Richard Sherman, I, I don't know where he came from, but I, I wish that I had the audio because if you get a chance after this show, if you listen to his audio, and, and we've all heard Richard Sherman in – in in um in interviews, he sounds very he sounded so cautious, like he didn't really even want to touch this, but he had to. He didn't have a choice. Yeah. Um. So that that's our take on it. Uh, make sure that you tell us what you think. And Ken, I give you props for even getting into it with somebody on Twitter. Because to be honest, 140 characters ain't enough to really really you know go over this stuff with people. Because some people you know you know how it goes. If it doesn't fit within their agenda, they're not gonna take the extra step to look it up or anything like that anyway. So. Well, and, and, and I agree with that, and, and the only thing I wanted to to just point out to, and it, this was a white guy, this was a white kid who was arguing about, about that, and, um, you know, I, I didn't cuss him out or anything, I, you know, because I, this was a teaching moment for, I feel, for myself as well, um, but I think the, mo- the main thing for me was with all the brothers and including this guy, is just, just go research it and read it for yourself, quit taking what people are constantly telling you and, and going out and, and speaking on that, you know, read it, look it up, research it, and be informed. And uh, then from there you can form your own opinion. If you still feel that right. way, that's fine. You know, but you're asking me why, go go look it up. Exactly, exactly. Phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Then we got full phone lines. Let's not keep them waiting. Let's take it up to our boy, the six man. Chip Kelly's angel. My boy Q. Q, what up? Yo, yo, can you hear me? Hey, we can hear you loud and clear, man. All right, say no more. All right, yo, what's good, everybody? Good, man. What's up with you? Man, up, I got, um, you know, you I talk about your I team, think, man? I want to talk about that and Sherman. Um, okay, okay. But, you know, I'm going to go through Sherman real quick. Um, I still, you know, I still support him, still support the Seahawks. But, you know, sometimes when your big brother disappoints you, you got to let him know that, that they fucking up. You know what I'm saying? So, Sherman, you fucking up, man. Like, as simple as that. Um, I disagree with his position. I think it's uninformed. But I think this is a teaching moment. I don't think they understand the people who reinforce this narrative of black-on-black crime. I never understood this. And I used to be a proponent of, you know, the argument of, oh, we need to worry about ourselves, like, maybe until I was, like, 16. And that was just only two years ago. 
But then I actually started to do some research, started to actually read and understand what actually happened to the black community and why the way it is. And, you know, you can't say that we as a people have to do better when from the day that we came to America, we've been trying to do better. We have been doing better. No one ever wants to talk about the independent cities in Philadelphia that got bombed by the police or Tulsa right. in the 1920s. That was that. Black Wall Street. It got bombed by, you know, you know, air raids. But they want to tell us that 9-11 is the first terrorist attack when it's not. The first terrorist attack took place in 1921 in Tulsa. Look that up, Black Wall Street. So you mean to tell me that these black people, through generations through generations, we used to have a good family unit. And then out of nowhere, you want, you want me to believe that Poppy Fields just started growing in the Compton? Poppy Fields started growing in Detroit? Poppy Fields started growing in Philly? And they started just making crack out of nowhere? When we know, when we have evidence and people telling us that these drugs were flooded into, into the community to break up the black family unit, you want me to believe that in Chicago, the projects were broken down. The jobs were taken out of the city. When people had their jobs, people had their families, they had to move them to other rival neighborhoods. You want me to believe that the gangs started out as anything other than the need to protect their community from the police? You want me to believe that it all started out with just Bloods and Crips killing each other? That's ridiculous. Sherman has to understand that this is deeply rooted. This isn't just some, oh, black people woke up one, one day and we're going to kill each other. No, this is deeply rooted in the society of America. And for those who believe in you know, the whole black-on-black crime fallacy, I think it's a fallacy. It's not a myth. It's a fallacy because the way that people interpret it, they see that, oh, look, these black people kill each other. That means that the black community has a strong hatred for each other. And you know what? Let's say that even we do, right? Who taught us that that hatred? Who taught right. us that the color of your skin is ugly? Who taught you that the way that your hair hangs and the way that it has curls and the way that it's nappy? Who taught you that that was less than? Who taught you that the default of beauty is white features? Who taught you that? And then come talk to me about black-on-black black crime. Then come talk to me about how the black people have a, a fucking problem. Because that shit is ridiculous. I cannot stand it when people bring that stuff up. So, Sherman... Please, do your research. I know it might be a little hard because, you know, you're getting rings and, you know, you got a whole bunch of millions and you're not worried about everything and everything. But look at what Louis Farrakhan is doing, justice or, or else. Look, look at what ceasefire is doing in Chicago, how the murder rate has dropped every single year by 5% every single year. They had weekends of no shooting. Look at all the, you know, just take it to hip-hop. Fucking music artists are going to Chicago and holding rallies and giving, you know, things to children. Even Marshawn Lynch, your own teammate, goes to Oakland every weekend to hold softball and kickball tournaments and keep the kids out of the streets, buying them cleats, showing them that there's a different way to make out. You don't have to sell drugs. You ain't got to do all that. So I think you have to stop looking at it from one side of the magnifying glass and step away from the painting and realizing that there is a whole lot of shit to look at other than just this little speck. There's a whole right. lot more to look at. So, I mean, that's all I got to say about that. But real quick, Eagles, at this point, man, I can't make any more excuses for Chip Kelly, bro. I'm just done. Like, he got to show me something. I have no more excuses left. I have nothing else to say. Uh, the, you, you trade LaShawn McCoy. 
for uh, Kiko Alonso, and now he has a grade two MCL sprain. Should be out two to four weeks. Should be dodged a bullet. But then again, they're still saying that he might need surgery. So that could be a definite L in terms of a trade. Uh, you trade for DeMarco Murray. I'm sorry, uh, you sign DeMarco Murray, and then you want to use him out of the draw formation. I don't understand that. You have a power back, and you want to use him out of the draw. You have to use the eye formation to make him go north and south. See, that's, see, this is where, you know, I can start to see why people think Chip Kelly might just not like certain black people because you peddled all that bullshit about how well, I, I need a north and south runner, but you want to use DeMarco Murray to go to the sides, east and west. That shit makes no sense. You traded for Sam Bradford because you say he's the most accurate, you know, passer that, you know, can run your system. And he has more rushing yards than DeMarco Murray does. He has 12 yards for the entire year. D'Angelo Williams has more yards than DeMarco Murray, Darren Sproles, and Ryan Matthews combined. And he's 34 years old. He's running behind a Pittsburgh offensive line that has two reserves. You trade away Deshaun Jackson. You draft a Nelson Aguilar, and you don't use him as a deep threat. Dude can run a 4-3, but you don't use him as a deep threat. The Eagles are in trouble. We look like shit. Uh, Chip Kelly is absolutely embarrassing the city right now. People don't even want to talk about that loss. When you don't have Randy Gregory, you don't have Greg Hardy, you don't have Orlando McLean, you don't have Dez Bryant, you don't got Tony Romo, you don't got your um, Orlando Skandrick, your safety, I'm sorry, your cornerback who didn't allow a single touchdown last year, right? And you don't have all these people, and yet you cannot put up 27 points on these Cowboys, you're in trouble. Your program is garbage. So you can, you know, miss me with all that culture bullshit because right now this culture is a culture of losing. And Chip Kelly is making the Eagles once again look like the fucking butt of the NFL. Every fucking season, the Eagles fans get so excited saying, oh, yeah, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. And then every fucking season, it's a disappointment. So at this point, hey, well, you know, you, you I'm saying tank for Cardell. It's, it's, it's two, it's two games. <laughs> no, fuck this shit. It's over. No, I don't like. I don't know. I don't want to do this because we do this shit every fucking year. Zero and two, right? Get to the playoffs. Get everyone's hopes up just to lose to Drew Brees, who's never won a playoff game outside of the dome. When has that ever happened? You know, we get to the Super Bowl, we lose because the fucking Donovan McNabb wants to throw up on the sideline. Like, we just, every fucking time, we, they tease the fans with this shit. So, at this point, I'm saying fuck it. Tank for Cardell Jones and just let us live because I'm trying to enjoy this season. And I'm, I'm not trying to go through each season biting my fingernails. The Jets are about to get in. Like, they are about to destroy us. Revis looks like the number one corner again. Cromartie looks like he's locking down. That Jets defensive front is going to fuck Sam Bradford up. He's not going to make it through the game. He's not. And our offensive line looks oh, completely man. terrible. It's over, bro. Q, he looks worse in the fucking games, It don't matter, bro. Games, it don't matter. It's been, it could be 16 games, and we're going to be missing the playoffs. Guarantee you. Eagles will be end up going 6-10 this year. Hey, man, we, we got a couple more calls to get you, Q, man, as always. Hey, you know what I think y'all should do, man? Tank for Andrew Wiggins, man. Tank for Andrew Wiggins. Man, we should have got his ass, too. But, you know, Philadelphia <laughs> always leaving shit on the table. Hey, I'll mess right, with man. you, man. Hey, we're going we to get back to the line today. As always, Q, man, thanks for calling in. We appreciate the love, brother. All right, man. Y'all be good. Peace.
Oh, man, that's not boy, the six-man cute. You can tell, man, he's passionate. Young cat, man, he's passionate. Now, I will – I I don't have anything to say about what he said about Sherman. He was preaching. All you got to do is pass the collection plate. Um, I will, As much as I hate Philly, I'm still going to say give it some time. It's, we're, we're two weeks in. If they look like this in another two or three weeks, then it's time to, you know, abandon ship. Um Let's jump back to the phone lines. Let's go to area code 508. 508, you're on with Dead End Sports. What's your name? Where you calling from? What up, Kyle? What up, BZ? What up, Ken? What up, Tifo? What up, what up, Ryan? What's going on? What up? Oh, man. Q's back there. It's over. It's over. It's all <laughs> over. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, but real quick, uh, Ken, you and Q both hit it directly on the head. I, I agree, both, and Kyle, too. I agree with all of y'all for that, those points. Uh, do the knowledge to look at more of the whole systemic issue. But that's all I'm going to say on that because that's been talked about enough. Um, moving on to Philly. Yeah, there's a lot of O-lines that are suspect this year. Philly and Indy, just not – Tennessee a little bit, too. But it's it's such a problem for like it, they, you just thought they were going to be such an, a high octane offense. You're just like, what is happening? I, it's still early. You're right, Kyle. It's early. But I mean, shoot, it's not the best impression. But um, actually, the other thing I saw, I wanted to actually go to the Seahawks. Now you, you brought up Sherman was. Go ahead, go ahead. I read this on Roto World, uh, the whole Jimmy Graham trade. He made a comment, or someone that's close to some Seahawks teammates found out from Jimmy Grant he hates his role, absolutely hates his role right now. Like, he's annoyed having to block more than being an actual, like, receiving player. And uh, they they just really come out with it a little bit more, like, in that locker room. And, you know, hopefully maybe when they play against Chicago, they feed him the ball more, but right. it's not... I think people kind of predicted like he's probably not going to be happy with that situation. But that and having Chancellor still holding out, how do you think Seattle's going to fare? You know, say if they lose to Chicago, if they lose to Chicago, would you would you stay at the fire sale? Um, I mean, it's still kind of hard to say because it's still early. But I mean, it depends. I mean. Keep in mind that uh, Cutler's not playing, so... <laughs> if, right. Yeah. You right. know what, now that I think about it, yeah. If you lose to Chicago without Cutler, uh, yeah, Some, somebody's in trouble. Cam Chancellor better get his money then. Yeah, I don't think they'll, uh, you know, I don't think it's time for, for a fire sale. Because, um, you know, well, shit, you be 0-3, but... Um, you know, I think they need to, first of all, why would you trade for Jimmy Graham and just have him blocking? That's the first problem. So uh, maybe 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 Marshawn Lynch's mom was right about Bevel. Maybe they need, <laughs> he knew, do need to get him out of there. But um, <laughs> it, you know what? I, I think it's, it's a situation where you have a formula that has always worked for you um, in the past, yeah. and it's not working now because you're missing a – a key piece in that system and both sides are being stubborn um, and, and not looking towards the long-term goal of winning another Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's it's difficult because you could, you could easily say Cam is being selfish, but then you look at every game Sunday and somebody's going down and they hurt for the year. 
And, you know, what happens when you get hurt, you're not worth as much. So I can understand him trying to invest in himself, but it's coming at a cost. And, yeah. um, and that cost right now is, is to Seattle, um, them as a, as a unit. So, um, and whoever they're replacing in there isn't working. But um, it may be – trust me, if, if they lose to Chicago – Whatever's going on in in that locker room, we are going to hear about it because Michael Bennett mm-hmm. will not remain silent. <laughs> he will let us know. So will Bruce Irvin. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, they got they they got a lot of personalities on that team. So I, I I doubt very seriously that everybody or that some people are going to be quiet in that locker room, man. It's just, but I I, I, I and, and keep in mind too, and I, I meant to mention this earlier, Seattle. They had the first. They took the first two games on the road with them going to St. Louis and then to Green Bay. I mean, it's, it's tough to get a win in Green Bay, period, against Aaron Rodgers. But they'll be back at home in front of the 12th man. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. And winning, and I'm pretty sure we'll see them get Beast Mode involved. They'll get Jimmy Graham involved early. I think they'll be okay. Um, if they struggle, then, it, you know, you may need to put the panic button, but I, I think they're going to be okay. They're hoping. They're hoping. You got anything else uh, to Yeah, actually, I was going to tell you, your Yankees were actually blue to save, but now they're back on top, 6-3. They're fighting for that spot for the playoffs, man, for the day out the wild card yeah, and have a lead. These guys are going to give me great hairs, man. They're going to give me great hairs, man. You're lucky Greg Yankees, Bird is being clutch. Well, you know, Greg Bird is getting to a clutch hitter. If we can get, if the Yankees can get pitching, I I don't know. I mean, um, there's there's some people who are diehard Yankees fans that think that we can win the World Series this year. I don't think so. I think making the playoffs is better than where we had anticipated prior to the season starting. But Toronto is loaded. David Price is damn near unhittable right now. Um, You know, they they're on a roll and they've been on a roll since they made that trade. So. Um, we'll, we'll see how it plays out coming down the stretch. We're going to definitely get in more baseball talk uh, as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Yeah, man, it's almost there. And then basketball starts in less than f- training camp, like, what, four days? Yep, yep. yep. Training camp starts up, and uh, Kobe Bryant has been cleared to, pl- cleared to participate in all uh, basketball activities. So looking forward to seeing number, uh, <laughs> number uh, I was about to say number eight, number 24 out there. <laughs> He's still number eight to me. <laughs> hey, as also, always, Corver got man, Corver got clear too. Man. Oh yeah, no doubt. He did. He did. He did. We're gonna get, catch some more phone calls, man. As always, thanks for calling. Right. We appreciate it, man. I appreciate you guys. Keep up the good work. Have a good night. Peace. Peace. You too. Peace. Phone number Ryan call six four six four seven eight zero three five six again six four six. Four seven eight zero three five six. Let's jump back to the phone lines. Let's go to area code two oh five. Two oh five, you're on with dead and what's your name? Where you calling from? Uh yes, this is Captain Snake. How are you guys? What's up, Captain Snake? What's going on, man? Uh, not much. I'm just watching a uh, replay of uh, the Pats' destruction of uh, the Bills uh, this past Sunday. Didn't know if you guys caught that. Go ahead and talk about that. But uh, you know, can you hang up on him? No, 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 no. Hey, the uh, the Patriots. I gotta give it to them, man. They 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 look like they're ready to repeat. They look really good. 
Uh, you know, I was going to talk about a few things. Uh, first thing, I just wanted to say, because uh, I know that, uh, you know, sometimes I get a, get a little dig at Q, uh, sometimes about his Eagles. But, uh, you know, what he said tonight was uh, really heartfelt and just right on point, as with you, Ken. And I just wanted to say you guys just hit it on the nail. And it was just, I don't I don't know anybody could say anything better. Um and really just kind of going to move on from that real quick. But uh, I just want to talk about the, the past game for a minute. Um, you know, I thought the uh, – I thought, you know, you know, I'm big on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, the offensive line to me, even though Brady, you know, got the ball out really quick, uh, I think like 40 of his throws were thrown in two seconds or less. But I still think, you know, it needs to be given credit to uh, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, Josh Klein. Ron Rendell, Trey Jackson, uh, Volmer, and even Nate Soldier, even though he gave up the, the sack that stripped the fumble, uh, they played a great game. Uh, you know, Buffalo mm-hmm. has a uh, they did. tremendous front seven, uh, you know, arguably maybe the best in the league, you know, Seattle, Buffalo, you know, right there, you know. Um, you know, I just thought they did a really great job. Um, also, I'd like to give credit, you know, the, you know, the, the front seven for the Patriots, you know, because – before this game, you know, if you were going to say any, either team had eight sacks, you would say the Bills because Brady is not mobile like Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor. And I thought the Patriots' front seven did a tremendous job. Obviously, the secondary, you know, Fletcher, uh, you know, we're still going to have to improve that. But I wanted to um, just give you this list of quarterbacks the Patriots are facing over like the next five weeks. Uh, next week, next week's Bortles. Next, uh, they got to buy. Then they have Weeden Castle, Weedner Castle, uh, Luck. Who you know they've had his number in Indy. The Jets with Fitzpatrick, Tannehill, Tannehill. You know, good quarterback. Kirk Cousins, um, Manning, Tyrod Taylor, old Peyton Manning, Sam Bradford, Holtier, uh or Mallet, Marota, uh, Marietta, and uh, Fitz Tannehill. Um, you know, this schedule is really panning out for the Patriots, I think, with that, you know, to, to make a 14-2 and two kind of run. I want to get your guys' thought on that, about what you, you know, the Patriots make that kind of outstanding record this year. What do you guys think about that? Well, um... Go ahead, go ahead, Ken. Yeah, you know, looking at the way they they played in, in the first two games and um, you know, what happened, of course, you know, their decimation of, of Buffalo, you know, which was very telling. I mean, it was it was just a great, great, great um, plan by Belichick, man, to, to come in there and, and not even give that defense a chance to, to you know, to get set and, and tee off on Brady. I mean, it was perfect. You you, you got to hand it off to him. Um, listening to the schedule and the quarterbacks on, their, on um, that they have to face, I have to agree with you with the way they're playing, their usage of, of Deion Lewis so far. Gronk, of course, looks unstoppable. Um, Edelman is being Edelman. Like, they're, they're, it's almost like they're in postseason format already. And it, it is, it's, it's amazing to me because they have a patchwork offensive line that, uh, and, and Skip Bayless just gets them unnerved. Like, he, like, Tom Brady <laughs> puts the mind in front of him. <laughs> like, I agree. I agree. You know, like, come on, man. Like, give Belichick, give Belichick some credit. You know, for you know making the decision and all the coaching that that whole personnel has done to have them ready to go every every single um, Sunday. I think they will. They, you know, it sounds like they could go for fourteen or two unless they just had a bad game. 
you know, which which could happen any given Sunday. Um, they they do look scary and they do look focused, and I think the league need to to pay attention and. You know, it's it's you know I, I don't like what I see, but I can't deny <laughs> you know what I see from the Patriots, man, and and I feel sorry for Indianapolis. I, I I agree with what Stephen A. Smith said earlier today. The Patriots are gonna beat the the Patriots are gonna try to hang fifty to sixty on them boys, especially with the way they're playing right now. That that game, they may have to implement the mercy rule. Uh, for for them, you know, because I I can, they're going to be fired up. Um, but yeah, man, I think with the way they're playing right now, unless something drastic happens, and you know they start having a lot of injuries, I don't see many teams beating them. The Jets may be able to get them, but you know they got to put points. Yeah, they're secondary. Stumble, but the Jets secondary. I, I think huh? the Patriots. I think the Patriots are just really in that point. They, they're kind of like the Spurs, man. They just want to get through the season. They don't, I mean, they want to secure home field advantage, but whether it's 14-2 and two or, you know, 10-6, and six, they just want home field advantage and they want to get through the playoff. I mean, they want to get through the regular season relatively, uh, uh, you know, injury-free uh, and keep getting better so that they can get to the playoffs and really make their mark. Um, it, it's, it's still early, but they look, they, they look phenomenal. And I think one of the biggest things they did Sunday was – Shut uh, Rex Ryan up. I mean, there's nothing he could say. I, and Rex Ryan should really know by now to just shut up and stop all that talking. Because every time he talks about the Patriots, he goes out and gets his ass kicked. So at some point, you're going to stop talking, Rex Ryan. At some point. I don't know when, but at some point. And you know, the thing is, I think, obviously, Rex Ryan is a, you know, he's a great defensive genius. Uh, but, you know, he, I mean, Belichick caught him with his pants down. You know, like, he said something in the press conference earlier talking about Deion Lewis, you know, like, that he didn't even, even care to know who he was, you know. And, you know, he surely, to me, he surely couldn't have been that ignorant to not think that, you know, Lewis was going to be used in that game because, I mean, you know, the Patriots, you know, we weren't going to run on Buffalo. I mean, you're, I mean, not many teams are going to be able to, you know, line up tight formation and run on Buffalo. I mean, their defensive line is too stout. You know, they have like over $200 million, I think, invested in that line. There's a reason you have all that money invested in it because they are incredible players. So, you know, you're not going to run. So, you know, and usually when the Pats face a stiff, stout line, you know, they're going to put their shifty back out there. Vereen was that guy. Kevin Falk was before Vereen, and now Deion Lewis is that guy. So it seemed like Rex Ryan would have already understood that Blunt wasn't going to get, you know, 20 carries like Blunt will get in the Indianapolis game because Indianapolis front seven is soft, you know. And I was really uh, kind of taken back by that. Uh, and I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, it's great as Brady's playing because I believe Brady is kind of on that 2007, you know, like F World Tour. You know, I'm going to just chuck it, chuck it, chuck it, chuck it. I'm just so amazed by like the way that Aaron Rodgers is playing the game right now. It just, I really, I really, you best know, quarterback may, in the game, man. I really may say something crazy, but like I don't know if I've ever seen someone play the game as well as he does at quarterback. He can do everything. That first touchdown pass to James Jones. That's, yeah, it's early in the season, but it's the best throw by far all season. I mean, it was an absolute, and you know he was out of the pocket too. You know he's moving. And it was just an absolute dart. 
It's like he hit a bullseye. It was just, oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. But uh, one stat, one stat about Aaron Rodgers that stuck out to me when when they were when they were playing um, uh, Monday Night Football was um, in in league history he has the highest touchdown to interception ratio at four to one. And the last time he threw an interception at Lambeau Field was back in 2012, which was over 480 wow. snaps before that game started. That's crazy. And at any given point in NFL history, minimum 25 passes, the best touchdown to interception ratio was Dan Marino at 3.1. So wow. that just shows you wow. how great Aaron Rodgers is, man. Yeah, he's yeah, just playing, he's, it he's, he's playing on another level. It's it's just unbelievable, and, and, and guys. You're right. I mean, that that was an that was an incredible throw, man. And I, I think the crazy thing is, man, we we're just I think we're just really scratching. He's 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 in his prime, but I think he's just really scratching the surface of where he can be. And I mean, he did this. He's doing this without Jordy Nelson. They you know they got James Jones back from the Giants, uh, cut. So um, sky's the limit, man. Sky's the limit for Aaron Rodgers. Hey, as always, Captain Sneak, man. Thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate the love, brother. Uh, no problem. Y'all have a good one. You too. Phone number, Captain Sneak, call 646-478-0356. Uh, before we jump back to the phone lines, man, I would be remiss if I didn't, <laughs> didn't bring up uh, Eli Manning and the New York Giants. Uh, FIFO, what the hell is going on in the New York, man? I mean, the Giants basically gave away the game against the Cowboys. Uh, they pretty much gave away the game against the Falcons in the fourth quarter. Um, clock issues, time management. Um, if you had to say it was somebody's fault, who, who do you put the blame on? Uh, Coughlin, Eli, or both? Um, I, I think I think a little bit of both. Um, I think that first game, you know, clock management at the end of the game like that, I think when you're an elite quarterback, you get paid to manage situations um, and be calm and understand what the best play is regardless of the situation or what's happening on the field. And Eli didn't do that. And granted, it's week one. He'll watch the film. Like, okay, whatever. I had a brain fart. Cool. Week two, I think you're just starting to see the holes. And realistically, on offense, you know, I, I put Eli in the top ten this year, and I said that the Giants were going to have great an offensive season. Odell Beckham's off to a great start. That boy is ridiculous and worthy of my top five consideration. But either way, who else is there? It was only really that last game against the Falcons. It was Shane Vereen and Odell Beckham that were doing anything on that field. So that that's a problem. Ruben Randall needs to step up on the outside. Victor Cruz needs to get healthy. That defense was down. Who was it? Was that them? No, it wasn't them. But their defense was down. Uh, Dominic Rogers, Cromartie, he got hurt first play of the game mm-hmm. on a tackle yep. with Julio. So, you know, they're, they're, they're dealing with a lot, just like any other NFL team is. But um, but I think theirs is slightly more correctable. I think that guys just need to step up. Um, they, they, need more, they need more than just Odell Beckham. Because because he he went through a hot streak in that in that Falcons game where I think Peyton Manning threw to him like five six straight times, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and you and, and granted, you're that's what you want to be able to do to your number one wide receiver, just get him the rock when he's hot. 
But at the end of the day, you need other guys to pick up that slack. And, and, and they don't have a team right now. But I definitely think that they can build upon, you know, what they've had, what, what, what they've been able to muster up and, ju- and, ju- and just stop being as sloppy as they have been. And, and I think it'll turn around. I think that they can have a pretty decent season this year. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, B? Uh, blame in New York, man. Uh, Coughlin, Eli, or both. You said what again? What did you just say about New York? I said, I said, if, you, if you're placing blame in in New York, who are you blaming? Coughlin, Eli, or both? Uh, I would say coach, just because of. Well, I don't know. Wasn't it Eli that told him not to score? Or was that the coach that told Jesus not to score? In week one, <laughs> <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, if that's the case, then yeah, I would say it was, because it was Eli allegedly. It was Eli allegedly. Oh, because if Eli if Eli making those decisions, then yeah, we gonna have to blame it on Eli. But according to Tom Kaufman, he said he takes the blame for for the games that they that the Giants have lost so far. So I'm going to say Tom Kaufman says he's putting it on himself. I don't know if he's doing this as like a shield to kind of protect. Eli or anything, but he seems to be taking all the blame and, and getting everything. So I'm gonna say Tom Call. Okay. What about you, Ken? Uh who are you blaming in New York, man? Um, you know what, the coach always uh self to blame and, and they've been in positions to win. They they should be two and oh, um, realistically and, and a lot of that has to do with you know, the uh, you know, the coaching. I think we have to put the blame on them because of uh you know decisions that were made or or not made on the field. So um what I do like about them is that they were in positions to win both games and you know if they um adjust their decision making I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine and they'll be right in the thick of things. It was good to see Odell Beckham finally uh yeah, get off yeah. and, and and you know break loose and, and get his swagger back. Yeah, he got loose. I think um I'm I'm disappointed in, in in how the Giants have played, man. One thing that really stood out to me, and and this ne- this should never happen. They called it. I I, I can't remember if it was the Falcons. You know, it was it was the Giants. Giants called a timeout. Okay, so you know you got so much time after the timeout. They called a timeout and got a delay of game coming out of the timeout. That should never happen. I mean, like that. That probably can only happen in like pee wee football when you can't line the kids up. I mean that. It, I don't know, man. It's just it, it's frustrating to watch, and I think they've got enough talent, um, especially when they get they get a couple of guys back in the secondary. Um, once Cruz comes back, I think the Giants have enough to at least be in the mix um, coming down the stretch, especially with Dallas being banged up. Uh, eight and eight, nine and seven can win this division. I don't see any reason why the Giants won't be in the mix. If not, Coughlin's head will be on a platter. Um, phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Uh, we got about six minutes left. I guess we got time for one more call. Let's jump right to the phone lines real quick. Uh, area code 773, you're on with Dead End Sports. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jackman. Jackman, what's up, brother? Oh, uh, not much, not much. Uh, their season over, obviously. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was not fun at all watching that game. And uh, yeah, they might as well just 
pack it up. If, if they beat Seattle with Jimmy Clausen on Sunday, they should just blow up Seattle because that should never happen. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. It's... Uh, I can't even How long say anything right now. Just something that here. How long is Cutler? Cutler, uh, I heard two weeks, but I don't trust these guys at all. I don't trust these coaches when they talk about injuries at all. So he could be out even longer. He could he could torn his ACL and they're not telling us that. I don't know. Okay, okay. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. What about your Cubs, man? How are the Cubs looking? Uh, they're looking. I'm very, very, very excited going into uh, as we enter the closer to the postseason. Um, they uh, took two or three from the Cardinals last week, also taking three or four from the Pirates, the two teams that are the only two teams I think that are better than them right now in the entire league. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm not going to say they're going to like win it all or anything, but it's definitely not possible. I can't think of a team in the league that the Cubs can't beat right now. Like, no, not at all. Um, well, that guy you guys have, Ariella. I think I don't know if I said his name. Man, he he's lights out, and um, if yeah, you got an arm like that, him. and with Brian and Rizzo and um, Schwarber, I mean anything is possible if if as long as you keep them uh, keep them numbers off the board. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm very excited, and uh, also Joe Madden calling out the Cardinals pretty much. The series last weekend was pretty awesome because I'm like so sick of that team. I'm so sick of everyone like treating that team like they're above everybody else in a way, like like they're above hitting people on purpose, which they do all the time. It's right. just I'm sick of them, and seeing the Cubs beat them lately has been so much fun. There's no team I want to see the Cubs beat more than the Cardinals, especially in the playoffs. I think that can happen. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be interesting. I think I think what what bodes well for you guys is the Cubs, you know, not having been there, and the excitement that'll be right here in the city of Chicago, man, as the Cubs move forward. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward, just as a baseball fan, looking forward to that, seeing the Cubs back in the mix. Uh, we're up against the break, man, Jock, man. As always, man, thanks for calling in. We definitely appreciate the love, brother. All right, you guys have a good week. Good Talk to you next time. All right. You in the finals next week. Uh, hey, uh, you too, man. Before we get out of here, Ken, uh, what you guys talking about tomorrow night on the show? Uh, situational fantasy football. Um, a lot of injuries. B has suffered oh, some injuries. Man. I have. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. So. Um, there's, there's a lot of injuries now, so maybe, you know, some waiver wire additions that people can pick up to kind of get them through the week. And uh, hopefully, you know, their their main guys will come back. But, yeah, um, that's going to be the primary uh, part of the show. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, we got, uh, I think um, we, we, we had some pretty good numbers. I, I, I meant to write them down before I came on the air. Uh, of the Dead End Sports Show, if I can, I mean Dead End uh, Fantasy Football League. Um, so before we get out of here, I can read off the winners. Uh, Cowboy Hater uh, took me down by three points. Damn you, Cowboy Ouch. Hater! Um, Ken, you beat me um, by five yeah, points. Yeah, 
<laughs> uh, Jamie's team got to win. Uh, FIFO, 0-2, man. You lost to Magic Johnson. Uh, but FIFO, you did get 83 points. Uh, let's see here. The great Sambinos uh, edged out. Give me the W by one point. And um, do the stanky leg. Beat out uh, our boy Jockman that just called in. So, uh, uh, oh, he beat him handily, too. Um, yeah, so, yeah keep the... Uh, so make sure you check out the fan <laughs> check out the fan <laughs> show. The What Up Dope show tomorrow right here on Blog Talk Radio with BZ and uh Ken as they discuss uh fantasy football stuff. Um we get notification we got about a minute left. I wanna thank everybody for tuning in. Everybody that called in. I know we had a couple of people call in, couldn't get through. Um definitely appreciate the love. We'll holler at you next week for sure, get you on the call. Um yeah, so that's gonna do it for this week. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, Ken, also, also too, also, also too, Kyle. Uh, shout out, um, Ken. He's gonna be coming to me, coming with me to Detroit uh, this Sunday night for the uh, Lions game. We got good seats. We're gonna oh, be shit. tailgating, acting a fool, doing hood rat things with my friends. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a blast this Sunday. Hey man, this don't Sunday, let Sunday night game. Man. Don't let. <laughs> no, all, I got is, all I got is twenty dollars for bail, man. That's all I got. I'm going to be screaming Black Lives Matter the whole time the hair comes to me too. <laughs> hey, that's it, man. We out of here. Peace.